Today on this episode of Going Deeper, we continue our discussion on Paul. But this time, instead of talking about where he went, we're talking about the words that he sent to the places that he went. We also spend a lot of time talking about how we read these more difficult things that, that maybe it's we, we maybe think that Paul is speaking out of both sides of his mouth. But then again, maybe he's just kind of walking that fine line. We talk about that. We do have a guest star with us today, Trip Morgan. Hello, hello. And so we are very thankful to have him joining us. I'm your host, Kyle McCaskill. Chris Winterman. And Trip Morgan. So join us as we go deeper. Last week, we talked a little bit about the travels of Paul, which would bring us to the letters that Paul wrote to the churches. And so our readings for this week start us in Romans chapter 8, which should be familiar to a good many of us listening out there. And if you're not already familiar with it, you're you're kicked into some really great stuff. So uh, I know there's some... Things in especially Romans chapter 8 that may be a little bit confusing. So uh, why don't we dive in and see what uh, what we might have to think about that and how it all kind of ties together mm-hmm. and, and what references we can bring to help maybe help clear it up a little bit. Yeah, as, as you read this section of the Bible, you have to do so like you read any section. Understanding what type of writing it is, mm-hmm. because different different books, different sections have a different intent. Uh, they were brought forth in different ways by different people, and in this section, as you learned some last week, Paul travels around. He's he's really the first Christian missionary. He goes around to these different places and plants churches. Now, the one exception is Rome. He actually, I mean, he, he's in, but he doesn't, he doesn't visit the Roman church. Yeah. He doesn't ever actually make it to Rome as a missionary. As a missionary. Yeah. Right. He, he, he's in exile later on there, right. you know, awaiting his, his execution. But he doesn't plant himself the church in Rome, or at least he doesn't get to meet them. Right. But, but the rest of these letters... Each one is named for an area. Mm-hmm. So so the letter to the Galatians in Galatia, the letter to the Ephesians in Ephesus, the Philippians in Philippi, etc. Yeah. And each one of these places has a specific DNA of their group or groups of believers because it probably it wasn't church like we think of it like okay there's trinity united methodist church yeah mm-hmm. it was little gatherings yeah. little We're groups. At kyle's house church at this point yeah. exactly mm-hmm. and, and kyle has a house church and you have a house yep. church and i have a house church and paul writes to all of us mm-hmm. for the letter to be shared mm-hmm. so e- each church be it one assembly or a small group has also specific geopolitical issues. They have different theological issues. Mm-hmm. You have all sorts of different things going on, different cultures that they're rooted in that face different challenges. And another interesting thing, and, and if, you, if you're listening, you may or may not be aware of this, we tend to read the Bible in the order it's presented. And mm-hmm. in my initial thought, well, that's the order that things happened. And while it may be a chronology, 
In other words, Jesus was here before the churches were planted, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Gospels were all written after the epistles. Mm-hmm. So the epistles were written first. So we also have to understand that the initial teachings about Jesus Christ didn't come from the gospel writings. Mm-hmm. They came from the original disciples. People like Paul, who actually gets this special revelation from Christ himself, mm-hmm. or other eyewitnesses, secondhand accounts. And so what starts to happen is these teachings and these stories about Jesus and about the faith and about God, they begin to shift and they begin to to get a little twisted. You know, the, the, the telephone game that you played, mm-hmm. I tell mm-hmm. Kyle something where Tripp can't hear it. Kyle tells Tripp, Tripp tells someone mm-hmm. else, someone else. And by the time it's gotten to the end of the line, the story has changed a little bit. Right. So Paul has to write these letters, one, to address things going on to the people, but two, oftentimes... To clear up these bad teachings. Like, you have this one teaching, Gnosticism, basically said, you know, flesh is evil, spirit is good. So, Jesus was some kind of a ghost man. He didn't really exist in the flesh. Mm -hmm. Another one says, well, Jesus jumped off the cross and ran off with Mary Magdalene and had a bunch of kids. (laughs) And all sorts of craziness. And Paul has to address all of these things in his letters. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, even though in E100, we only looked at a few, right? I really recommend going back. Mm-hmm. Each one of these epistles, you could knock it out in sometimes as short as 20 minutes. Yeah. You could read the whole thing. Yeah. And they're really beneficial because what you'll discover is, just to be real honest, the church has been a little dysfunctional from the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, because what's always been a part of the church? People. People. <laughs> exactly. So when we look at our church and we think, oh my goodness, the, the, the church is just getting off track and messing up. Well, the church has always gotten off track. Yeah. And that's yeah. why we need to come back here. Exactly. And, and and one thing that I'll put interject in, especially with the book, book of Romans, because like you said, Paul never actually got to visit the church mm-hmm. in Rome. So one of my ways of reading Romans has always been, this is like your... Christianity 101 and mm-hmm. 102. It's kind this, of the Constitution. Yeah. yeah. It's, That's a great way to put it. The Constitution of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Paul, Paul also, he, he, he lays out in Romans this complete um, salvific plan mm-hmm. and theology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he does it addressing <coughs> the Jewish people. But he also mm-hmm. does it in a way that brings Jew and Gentile together. Because mm-hmm. that's that's Paul's big thing is, look, I'm, I'm sent to let the Gentiles know that mm-hmm. now they are a part of God's plan. Mm-hmm. Because before Christ, it was really the Jewish people. Yeah. Other people yeah. could participate, but not in the way they can now. Mm-hmm. So Paul, um, he, he, he goes back in Romans, he goes back to the law. He talks mm-hmm. about how the law... Is basically impossible to follow. Right. Mm-hmm. But he says the law isn't bad. Mm-hmm. The law is actually a good thing because what the law does is it makes us realize how incapable we are mm-hmm. of getting it right. And he and he basically goes on and says it's hopeless, but that mm-hmm. brings us to the beginning of Romans chapter 8. He makes the case where the spirit supersedes the law. Yeah. The spirit is supreme to the mm-hmm. law, and mm-hmm. you know, like the law and the, the flesh, it's it's a lot like gravity. 
it's something that's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. You're always going to mess up. You can never live up to that standard. <laughs> yeah. But through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, it, it's kind of like the laws of aerodynamics. It's like getting on a plane and allows you to override the law of gravity. Right. And yes, gravity's still there, but you get something to give you a boost to rise above it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think one of the things that may trip up a bunch of people in reading this is if you read it in a certain way, you can almost say, oh, well, Paul is wanting to just do away with the law. The law mm-hmm. is no good. And and I don't think that's really what Paul is saying here. I think what Paul is saying is the law could only show us how we were insufficient. John yeah. Wesley sums it up by saying, when I read the law, I am led to Christ. Mm-hmm. But when I encounter Christ, I am led and empowered to follow the law. Right. So Paul Paul does what, in my opinion, all good theology does. Mm-hmm. He walks a razor's edge of balance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It sounds like he's talking out of both sides of his mouth, but he's really not. He's living in what we call the tension mm-hmm. between the two. And if you, I mean, if you look at Jesus himself, <laughs> Jesus Always. is... The epitome of that. Jesus Mm -hmm. is fully God and fully man. Mm -hmm. Jesus is full of truth and full of grace. He talks about judgment and mercy equally. So... Paul follows the example of Christ. And when he he comes to the beginning of Romans 8, he's... he's, uh, This is the other thing. Um, When you read the scripture, the, the chapter and verse break sometimes make it feel like it's now a different argument mm-hmm. but it's not yeah romans 8 the very beginning is the capstone he paul is a fantastic um logical orator yeah. or, or writer he he sets up this mm-hmm. argument and he does it so thoroughly that you're left with no choice but to follow his logic and then he says Everything it, it, it it's basically helpless. What what I want to do, I can't mm-hmm. do. The mm-hmm. law is this and that and the other. We've all sinned, etc. And then Romans eight, he says, "So now, so this this is the continuation." Which, and in some translations, it might be the word "therefore." Therefore, mm-hmm. so anytime right. anytime you see that word begin a passage, yep. it's always good if you're starting there. You have to look you know, back at what came before. Yeah, look back at what to came get before. the context. Yeah. So he says there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So right there, some people take that and say, well, we can do whatever we want because there's no condemnation. If we're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. But that's absolutely not what Paul was saying. Again, if we don't tie this to its context, Mm -hmm. we can go way off track. Because earlier Paul says, well, then is grace a license to Uh sin? By no means. And and in the Greek, that is the most emphatic way to say... Absolutely, positively, mm-hmm. a thousand percent, no. Mm-hmm. Is it so? So may I sin more so that grace may abound? By no means. Ab- I can't remember the the word, but we used to scream it at something uh, because it was like this emphatic. Mm-hmm. You know, we, back when uh, I had a lot of friends in seminary, we were living in Kentucky with all the seminarians, and so they were learning all this stuff, and it was fresh, right? Mm-hmm. And so there was this Greek word, and I, I want to find it. Uh, but we would we would yell it by no means by, know, by no means <laughs> do, do, do you want to go eat pizza for lunch by no means yeah <laughs> except absolutely except absolutely the other way <laughs> so so but, but listen to this listen to what Paul says here and this, this is really important um, in in chapter eight in verse three the law of Moses was unable to save us because of our weakness of our sinful nature so again there we're acknowledging that we can't do it so God did what the law could not do. 
He sent his own son. Now, now this is important. And I'm reading out the New Living Translation. Mm-hmm. Sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So, it's. I, I talked to uh, the confirmation class a few weeks ago, which if you're not familiar, confirmation is basically a course where our sixth graders go through and learn what it is to be a Christian, the, the basics of making mm-hmm. that decision for themselves. And we talked about the fact one of our fundamental doctrines is that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Mm-hmm. And it's so important that Jesus is fully man as well, because if Jesus is not fully human, then this doesn't apply to us. Right. In other words, Jesus lived a sinless life Mm -hmm. by relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So like you said, Tripp, the the Holy Spirit is the game changer here. He, He is the one that makes everything different. So he actually gives us the power to live free from sin. So this is this is one of the things about the Christian life. That that a lot of people say they all say, well, we're we're I'm just a sinner and I'll never get it right. On the surface, I understand what they're trying to say, mm-hmm. but I actually think that Paul is telling us here, no, through the power of the Spirit, because Jesus did it, you can do it too. Yeah. What's the point? John Wesley says this. What's the point in forgiving us of sin, but then not giving us the power to live free from sin? Mm-hmm. So the real power in the Christian life is not just the forgiveness. It is the power, according to Paul here, to live free from our sin. He goes on to say, you have now no obligation to do what your sinful nature desires. Mm-hmm. That's important stuff. Yeah. I mean, this is... <laughs> you were all on just a little bit mm-hmm. back up to... Uh... Verse 33 said, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Is it mm-hmm. God who justifies? Who then is the one who condemns? No one. See, in Christ Jesus, we find something that can can catapult us above what we're capable of. Right, we right. are prone to give in to the sin and the flesh. Mm-hmm. But he's saying right here, he said, there's nothing that can condemn you. See, right. if you are to be led astray and condemn this because you made that choice. Mm-hmm. But through the Spirit, you have the power as a Christian to overcome these obstacles. Yeah. And, and, and see, I, I love that that idea that no one can condemn us because let's let's be honest with that. It's not only that other people can't condemn us, but so I can't condemn me. Uh-huh. By condemning myself, I mm-hmm. am actually taking God's place of judgment, mm-hmm. which is not my role to assume. Mm-hmm. I think more people struggle with condemning their self than they do with the condemnation mm-hmm. that comes from others. So here, you're right. Paul says no one can condemn us. That includes me. That, that includes, includes me. me. Yeah. That 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 yes. is great stuff. Yeah. Dude. And and then mm-hmm. he kind of closes it out with one of these one of these verses that just you you hold on to. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Mm-hmm. So it's love that moves us to live a holy life, not yeah. fear of judgment, not fear of condemnation. It's love that empowers us to move forward. And it is love when we do sin. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm going to try to be like Paul and kind of 
talk out of both sides there on on the edge. On the one hand, we're given the power not to sin. But later on in 1 John, we're told if we do sin, that if we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive Mm -hmm. us and cleanse us. So there's forgiveness there, but there's the empowerment to live fully free from it as well. Yeah. So it's... It's that idea that we have to be making that choice. Mm -hmm. Because just because Jesus came doesn't mean we now don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It it is about the relationship. It's not about the law was kind of about checking off boxes. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's exactly. not about that anymore. And so now, we. Th- this takes us perfectly into the next reading in Galatians. Mm-hmm. In Galatians mm-hmm. 5, Paul starts off, I- I'm going to go back to verse 1. So Christ has truly set us free. Mm-hmm. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. In other words, don't keep score. Don't mm-hmm. try to check the boxes. Just worry about the relationship. And the way you do that is down in verse 16 where Paul writes, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Mm-hmm. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So that, that that's the thing. If you're stuck in that conundrum of saying, well, I can't, just can't seem to get over this. Uh-huh. Are we letting the Spirit guide our lives? Are we letting the Holy Spirit live in and through us? He says the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So I've often used this analogy because it makes sense to me. So I've got I've got two Great Danes mm-hmm. on leashes. One on a leash trying to go that way, one on a leash trying to go this way. And look, Great Dane's a big old strong dog. Mm-hmm. It pull you off your feet if you're not careful. And Trip, you're a horse guy, so maybe you got two horses. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Maybe you understand that one better. So basically, here's the deal. This is this is the spirit horse, and that's the flesh yeah. horse, right? Godly horse, the selfish horse. Mm-hmm. Whichever horse I feed is going to be stronger. Mm-hmm. Whichever horse I give my attention to and my focus to is going to be stronger, and that's where I'm going to follow. Mm-hmm. So the question for us, while it's not on our strength, it is our choice. Yeah. What are we feeding? Which one are we making hmm. stronger in our life? And and in this uh, Galatians passage, Paul lays out that here's how you feed one horse. Here's how you feed the other horse. <laughs> exactly. So John Wesley had this whole thing about what he called the means of grace. The means of grace were basically, these are the things you can do to keep yourself in God's grace. Mm-hmm. I like to look at God's grace as a waterfall. I don't create the waterfall. I don't make the waterfall go. Mm-hmm. But when I do things that are the means of grace, scripture, prayer, fellowship with other believers, et cetera, et cetera, I'm voluntarily stepping underneath that waterfall oh. and letting it flow over me. And then Paul goes on and says, look, the sinful nature wants what's odd. These things are obvious, he says. Listen to the list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. Mm-hmm. You know, I find it funny that in the church, we like to take a couple sins and put them up here. But when mm-hmm. we see quarreling and division, we go, oh, uh, I didn't read that. Let's, yeah. let's split the church over red carpet or green carpet. Yes. 
Okay, so, so jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, <laughs> division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. So... Oh, let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So listen, when I see a list like this, some people want to mm-hmm. take this list and point out individual things. See, God doesn't like this. Here's what I think. I read this list. I think we can all find ourselves on that list. Yeah. Not only is he talking about specific sins here, he's really painting a picture of sin nature. Yeah. Right. You know, these are, are symptoms. Mm-hmm. The nature of sin is the disease, and that's what he's saying that we need to rectify and treat. You exactly. Don't, you don't worry about the fever. It's the infection that's the problem. Exactly. Right? So he's pointing out a picture of what sin nature looks like, and he's also painting another picture of what it looks like if you can, can treat the problem and step outside mm-hmm. of it, and then you see what the fruits of the Spirit yeah. are. Exactly. And, and I see the the common theme in the, the vices, if you will, is an elevation of the self. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Instead of... They're all selfish in nature. Yeah, yeah. an elevation of others and mm-hmm. and God. Well, well, you go you go back to the beginning of sin. I mean, whether you see Adam and Eve as two literal people or whether you see it as an allegory, the idea is still the same. Yeah, sin at the heart of it is saying, "I know better than God, mm-hmm. and and I want what I want." Mm-hmm. And when we start to live our life in a way that wants what we want, we are veering from a relationship with God and. Drifting from God, mm-hmm. as you said, Trip, I, I think is the disease. And these are just the symptoms. These yep. are the manifestations. But then Paul says, okay, look, the Holy Spirit, however, there's this juxtaposition. Uh-huh. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And and if so, I, in my mind, if I want to take a little spiritual litmus test, if I want to mm-hmm. ask myself, how am I doing at following Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. at being like Jesus, which Paul tells us elsewhere, the goal is for us to be imitators of Christ. Yeah. How am I doing? Okay, well, look at my life. Am I seeing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? And the thing about this, he, he, he calls these things fruit, so he says that the results of the sinful nature are clear, the symptoms, mm-hmm. but the fruit of the spirit. So when I um, was little, my uh, grandma had this apple tree beginning to grow out in her yard. And I went out and checked like every single day for an apple. Uh-huh. I, I, just, I couldn't mm-hmm. wait for an apple. And of course, I was always disappointed. <laughs> How long did that take? It took a long time until this one little green apple, this big, grew up. Uh-huh. And you know what I did? I snatched Ooh, it off and tried to eat it. That's as persimmon oh, right it was, it was horrible. It was I horrible. pucker you up. <laughs> but the lesson I learned is that fruit does take time. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, these are the natural results. We don't have yeah. to work for these. We just let the Holy Spirit produce these. However, if we're not seeing them in full blossom yet, it takes time. Sometimes pruning has to happen. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it takes tending. And f- but, but, but look, you have to feed a plant. I, I, I'm, I'm a horrible gardener. Or a, mm-hmm. is it a horticulturalist? Is that the word? I, I, I'm not the... So oh, your animal's not plants. No, I, I dabble in both. That's, <laughs> okay. that's, that's an offshoot of it. Yeah, okay, you're, so, you're good there. So, uh-huh. so Trip. If you don't tend and care for your plants, 
what happens to them? Oh, they wither and die. They wither and die. And part of tending your plants means getting rid of the weeds because the weeds mm-hmm. suck the life out of mm-hmm. other organisms. Okay. So you have to tend and care for them. You have to provide nutrition for them. You have to give them care. But at the end of it, are you actually the one that makes it grow? No. You contribute to the process no, you, or yeah. you hinder the process. Right. But at the end of it, it just grows. Yeah, you, you can't will the tomato plant to get a foot taller overnight. Okay, you're so, not making that happen. So you're we can't grit our teeth along. and make love mm-hmm. just appear in our lives. No. We have to rely on the nourishment from the Holy Spirit. Because that's what right. Paul says. The Spirit yeah. produces these things. And, and how do we do that? The means of grace. How do we Prayer, do that? Scripture, reading, fellowshipping. It, Ephesians chapter 6. All right, going to the next one here. I mean, we don't have to, but I mean, that's kind of where that leads. One of the one of the ways to do this. <clears throat> yeah. So Paul in Ephesians six talks about how a person can be strong in the Lord. He says, mm-hmm. "A final word: be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power." So this little section that it gives us to read is what's commonly known as the armor of mm-hmm. God. So it's a really easy passage for, let's see, what day is this going to be for y'all? Uh, if you're not already there on Thursday, you get a really easy reading. With yes. Only, yes. Just a tiny little snippet. So, But there's a lot there. There's a lot there. So, so spend some time. Yes. Yes. Really digging into this bit. So it, it, Ephesians, let me say this. Ephesians and Galatians next to Romans are kind of like, to me, more blueprint of the spiritual life, mm-hmm. more the practical how to live the spiritual life. Paul, in my opinion, in Ephesians and Galatians, addresses less big issues. Mm-hmm. In other words, like in Corinthians, that church was just off the rails, stupid, crazy. Yeah, and Paul's always yeah. like, "Look, you're doing this wrong, and this wrong, and this wrong, and knock it all off. It's it, it's yeah. wrong." Every step of the way, they were bowing down to culture. Right. Right. So in these though, Paul's like, okay, here's a couple things you need to figure out, but then also let me let me let me tell you how to live this out. Mm-hmm. So this practical advice is written to people who understood Roman occupation. They understood the image of a soldier walking mm-hmm. down the street. And Paul uses this metaphor as quote the armor of God. And he says, you know, you're mm-hmm. you're in a struggle, you're in a battle, but you have to understand it's not against people. Mm-hmm. So in the Old Testament, yes, the Israelites struggled against people. Yeah, as a reflection of the struggle of God against their gods. Mm-hmm. Now Paul says, okay, it's a different era with Christ and the Holy Spirit. Now it is a spiritual struggle, and he lists out the armor that you mm-hmm. would need. To wear, and, and, and here's what, what I want you to notice. The armor that Paul lists, he says you've, you've got a belt, you've got body armor or a breastplate, or you could think mm-hmm. of like a Kevlar vest. You've got shoes or boots. You've got a shield. You've got a helmet. But you've got a sword. Mm-hmm. Now, Paul only lists one offensive piece of equipment Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to me living the full christian life 
is not about going on the offensive. Mm-hmm. It's not about looking at everything I can prove wrong and everybody yeah. I can tell what they need to do right. Well, I mean, and that just echoes what Jesus said about, you know, the, the speck and the log. Right. And mm-hmm. this, Paul is consistent here with the words of Christ. Yep. And he also takes your opinion out of it because the sword, see, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, that's not uh, Kyle coming at me with rebukes from Kyle. Right. That's coming at me with the word of God that he has laid forth mm-hmm. before us. Yeah. So later on in Hebrews... Uh, the author of Hebrews, some people think it's Paul, some people think it was actually a female author, but they, they couldn't list a female author oh, that day. Apollos so. is also a... Apollos is possible. So in the book of Hebrews, the the word of God, the, the scriptures, are compared to a two-edged sword. So the mm-hmm. interesting thing about a two-edged sword in that day, a, a sword with a single cutting edge could do damage to your enemies... But the flat edge couldn't really hurt you or your allies. Mm-hmm. However, a two-edged sword was more potent, but if you mm-hmm. wielded it incorrectly, you could injure or kill yourself or your allies. Mm-hmm. And then later on, Paul tells a young pastor named Timothy to carefully handle the word of truth. That's to next week. study and be approved. That's next week. That's in next week. So the idea here... The scriptures are not to be used casually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the scriptures are not to be used flippantly. The scriptures are there first for me to see how God wants me to change. And then if I use them in someone else's life, they're not there to tear down. Mm-hmm. But they, they can be used to do so. But let, now think back. When did Jesus get angry in the Gospels? When the religious leaders use the scriptures against people, Mm -hmm. the scriptures are not our weapon to use against each other. He got pretty annoyed at the fig tree that wasn't bearing fruit also. He did. That was was a fascinating little passage. That's one of my favorites. That's Uh very... Well, and that's that's right before or right after he enters Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And it's a strong metaphor for Jerusalem and the religious people saying, you should have been doing something. Mm Mm-hmm. By now, you should have produced some fruit. That's Jesus. If you go back and you read his depictions of judgment, he's rarely, if ever, speaking to sinners. Mm -hmm. He's almost always speaking to people who think they have it together, the religious people, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting to me. I'm going to step back to the beginning, something you said very early on today. Because we're in this section about the the armor of God, and we're looking at the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And you mentioned that this was written before the Gospels were written. So when Paul is saying the Word of God, what's he talking about? So that's that's a very interesting one because, yes, th- this was written before the Gospels and these were written before the, quote, canon, before the scriptures were mm-hmm. organized. As a matter of fact, um, I want to say one of the one of the creeds, one of the creedal statements about the faith actually mm-hmm. came just before the canon as well. So, so we didn't have the Bible organized, at least the New Testament, as it is today. So some people believe that Paul says the word of God. Some people believe that he's referencing the Old Testament scriptures. And if you go back, Jesus uses the Old Testament scriptures to fend off the mm-hmm. temptations from Satan. Mm-hmm. And he quotes them. Other people believe that Paul is give, has been given by God this, 
this this future view that what he's writing will be included. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not saying I buy it, but that is a view. That's I I can see that because you know it's not out of the realm of possibility for me. And and I, then I but, tend to think that Paul is saying, "Hey, there's a lot of good stuff that if you're uh, these these are Gentiles that he's writing to in yep. Ephesus." Mm-hmm. So oh, so know. does it does it, it make sense for him Jewish. to direct Gentiles back to the Torah? Okay, okay. So huh. so for Paul to spend all this time saying, "Don't go back to the law," would it make sense for him to say, "Okay, now go read the Old Testament or, or the Jewish scriptures?" <laughs> so, but there are there are there are some people. So 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 the Greek word there is logos mm-hmm. for yeah. word, and there are some people who believe in the inspiration of the believers and what what Jesus said. To his disciples, whatever you bind on earth is bound in mm-hmm. heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So this gathering together and this speaking the words of God to each other. That there, there are some scholars who believe that it is the believers speaking together. So th- that that's that's an interesting question there. So Paul references the word of God as the sword. Mm-hmm. So where do where do, I, I gave kind of the scholar views. Where do I think? I think Paul is referencing God's speaking over creation because mm-hmm. it is with words that God mm-hmm. creates and the words that God has declared to humanity. That's what I would think. And I know that's kind of a vague okay. answer. No, I dig it. What do you think? I can get on board with that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, I found that interesting because I'd never read it that way before. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that. Well, and 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 his his speci- his Paul's specificity here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we don't have time today, but but read each one of those pieces of armor mm-hmm. and see how each one is a different aspect mm-hmm. of living the Christian life. Yeah. And again, they're about peace and righteousness. Mm-hmm. It's not about going out and proving a point. Mm-hmm. It's about living fully into who God has called us to be in the Beatitudes, mm-hmm. in the Sermon on the Mount, etc. Mm-hmm. So our, our Philippians reading for this week is also fairly short. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 the whole letter, yeah. the whole letter to the Philippians. Yeah. And, and so the, the, the Philippian letter is, Paul was really fond of this group of believers. It's one of the... Earlier churches that he plants, isn't it? Earlier churches that he plants, but one of the later letters that he writes. Mm-hmm. The the I want to say Ephesians, Philippians, and one other one are, are mm-hmm. right at the end there where he's kind yeah. of, he knows his time is up. But but he really, I mean, in, in 4 verse 1, you know, I love you and long to see you, dear friends. Mm-hmm. So he he's really proud of this church. He really loves this church. But we get some of the best encouragement here. And, you know, this is, I think this has been a very apt letter for us over the past year because COVID has been difficult for a lot of people. But Paul writes, always be full of joy in the Lord. I will say it again, rejoice. Mm -hmm. And, And it's easy to sit back and imagine Paul is like this well fed comfortable figure he's in prison when he writes this letter is he not yeah he is he is under house arrest Mm -hmm. and he is waiting his execution so that this right here is a pretty good uh 
paints a pretty good picture of the difference in joy and happiness. Yeah. Because he is joyful and he's calling for you to rejoice mm-hmm. in this time while he's waiting on his death. So what distinction would you make between joy and happiness? So I can be joyful when I'm fairly distraught, when I'm, I'm not happy. Joyfulness... Happiness is fleeting. Joyfulness is more eternal. Uh, joyfulness comes with a close walk with Jesus. Being filled with the Spirit, mm-hmm. uh, you get this peace, this calm, this joy that survives all things, that survives the, the pandemic, that survives bad days, that survives Snowmageddon that we just experienced. <laughs> I was joyful while I was cooped up in my house away from my friends and family. Right. Mm-hmm. I wasn't happy about it, mm-hmm. especially when I ran out of snacks. I wasn't happy about being holed up. So <laughs> happiness is predicated on external circumstance. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas joy, joy is, something deeper. is internal. Yeah. It comes from God. I, I think one of the things that that I feel is joy is, is kind of enabled by my ability to say, okay, whatever my circumstances, I know that God can take whatever mm-hmm. this is and do something amazing with it, whether I see the fruits of mm-hmm. it or not. Mm-hmm. That's joy. And I, I'll be honest, my life has been pretty, you know, pretty easy, mm-hmm. all things considered, uh, up to this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't know that there have been these great personal <laughs> catastrophes or struggles that I've dealt with, but... You know, even in difficult times, Mm -hmm. there's still that sense of joy because I know that God can do something great with it, even if I don't ever see the outcome. Well, when when something that we classify that we understand as bad happens... Mm So many times we want to look up to God and shake our fist and, and, and throw accusations to the heavens, which is which is what Job's friends told him to do. Mm-hmm. But but, you know, uh, I think I think the truth is that life life necessitates struggle because without the struggle, there is no victory. Yeah. Without. Mm-hmm. The bad, the the hard times, and 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 we classify something as bad, or even evil, because it's unpleasant for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But sometimes unpleasantness is the key to a more successful life. And I don't mean successful as in being financially stable or whatever. I mean successful as an inner joy. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you you look at the concept of necessary evil. Uh, a surgeon cuts open your body, which is a harm to your body. Mm-hmm. I mean. But there's a greater good that happens because they remove an infected organ or they repair something inside Mm -hmm. or they insert a pacemaker, which actually helps you live a better Mm -hmm. life. So when we see something bad, something hard, something difficult, Paul says, always be full of joy in the Lord. Mm -hmm. See, it's based on what Christ did, which cannot be revoked. It Mm -hmm. cannot be undone. Mm -hmm. And our standing with Christ, Paul said early in Romans. There's no condemnation. We don't, not only do we not have to worry about that, because Jesus resurrected, everything one day Mm -hmm. is going to be okay. Yeah. And when we keep that perspective, when everything is viewed Mm -hmm. through that lens, but then the mature view that Kyle said, beyond that, I can start to say, okay, God, this is distasteful. It's unpleasant. But what Mm -hmm. are you wanting to do through this. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can remember plenty of times in my life when I 
I've been in a situation where I've had a friend or an acquaintance that's dealing with something, and then all of a sudden I remember, oh my gosh, I I kind of dealt with that, mm-hmm. and so there's this ability now for mm-hmm. me in retrospect to say, thank you God, and so it's that it teaches me now mm-hmm. and more mature and mm-hmm. you know further along in my faith mm-hmm. that that I say. Okay, God, this is unpleasant. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be looking for ways that you can make this better. Mm-hmm. And so thank you for letting me experience this mm-hmm. so that maybe down the line, somebody else, you can reveal your goodness and your grace and your mercy through my experiences to somebody else. About five years ago, I went through a divorce and the most helpful thing was people who had been through a divorce as well. Mm-hmm. Other people were well-intended, but the people who knew what I was feeling and would tell me, listen, uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. You know, yes, things are awful right now, but you're going to get back to experiencing joy again, to experiencing happiness again. Mm -hmm. And that rings true for me. And now I look for people that I Mm -hmm. can reach out to and say, listen, I know you're experiencing this. I experienced it. I don't have any magic answer for it, but I can put my arm around you and say, you're going to make it. Mm -hmm. And speaking from the experience, I think gives us the room to do that. Yeah. Just so again, Paul's in chains and he's saying you can have joy. Mm -hmm. And, and just a final thought on this. He goes on to, to say how you do this, how, how you maintain this joy. He said it's about fixing your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Keeping your mind on these things is how you allow the God of peace, he says, to be with you. Mm -hmm. How do you experience joy? Look at where your mind stays. Doesn't mean you're not aware or dealing with things that you need to deal with. Right. But it's where you're fixing your thoughts. I think Philippians 4 is one of the most powerful and practical passages in the whole of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of the most underutilized. Mm-hmm. It's also one of the most misutilized when you get to <laughs> that famous verse. It's not a part of our reading. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm going to let you out there guess what I'm talking about. <laughs> Any any final words? We've kind of we're not going to make it to Colossians. We're about out of time for today, but I think what we read in Colossians is basically the supremacy of Christ. Here, it's all about Jesus. Everything, it's all about we, Jesus. Jesus. everything. everything yeah. we said is all about Jesus. Yeah, so, the Christian faith is all about Jesus. Right, and there so in the end, uh, at the end of this week, your your readings lead you to you know put that capstone mm-hmm. on everything. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is above everything. Hooray, that's great. It is great. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts? What, Trip? I want to know what question do you hope somebody asks us? <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. That, that is a, a big question on uh-huh. the spot while we're running out of time. I appreciate yeah. that. But one no. that we can't answer here, but that we'll answer in a so, question and answer. What I want to know is what is Paul wanting us to to understand about our faith uh-huh. through Him and how to overcome our sinful mm-hmm. nature, how to overcome the desires of the flesh through faith in Christ. Right. So just finding the the basic truth of that, that 
that Paul says it's it's in your hands. You have to make the decision whether or not to accept Christ mm-hmm. and to be filled with the Spirit and to overcome these challenges. Or you also have the choice to, to stumble and fall mm-hmm. and fall into this long list of things that right. I just spelled out for you. Uh-huh. You can take your pick. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or you can be faithful and bear the fruits of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's so. that's pretty much what it is. So, those of you who are watching and listening out there, send us your questions, comments, complaints, because I'm sure you've read something this week that you kind of scratched your head about. I mean, I didn't even touch on the predestination stuff in Romans and, and that surely needs to get some questions because that's one of the uh, eternal struggles of free will predestination. Send us your questions. That's a, we'll answer them. That's a session on its own, I that's, think. Yeah, it, that's a session all it, on it, its it own. It really is. So, so here, here's what I want to say. Um, we, we like to listen to the people. So if you want, now that you've heard him speak some, if you want to hear Trip preach on Sunday morning, you whoa, need to send whoa, your requests whoa. in. Easy now. Make Easy. it happen. Uh-huh. Doug and I have the power to make that happen. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, with that, um, if you have made it this far and you're still not subscribed to the podcast, I don't know what's stopping you. Yeah. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Get uh, you can find us anywhere you find podcast information. Trust me, it's out there. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already, and also click the little bell icon because then you get notified whenever we put out new stuff. Leave us comments on Apple Podcasts specifically. Give us a review. We've got a few five-star reviews, and we want more. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars for this quality podcast. I believe so. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Well, well, today's episode at least. <laughs> yeah, specifically today's episode, definitely. Trip's a five-star five, guest. Five-star guest. So we we thank Trip for joining us, Anytime. taking, taking Anytime. the morning off of work. And at that, thanks for listening, and we will see you again soon.